Canales. We're chilling. We're just con- conversating. Yeah, man. And uh, we were just talking about crazy life stories, stuff like that, stories, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, like I told you, Adam Dorn, and I started this thing, I was just like, man, i got to talk to some people that, uh, you know, I'm always, we always talk, like, in passing, you know, for, like, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I was yeah. like, man, i got to pick that guy's brain about his, his experiences, <laughs> you know, because, I mean, you're, you know, you, you're, you call yourself a cook. I think people would call you a chef. Yeah, I'm a cook. Because you're running a big place, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But, but you're I mean, a cook. It's yeah, just like, like me. It's like, I'm a, I just play. That's right. I'm a truck driver, and I play music at That's the end it, of every man. day. That's it, man, because everyone wants this title and work for this title and even people who don't have that title call themselves that title like it means something right it just means chief in french yeah yeah but i mean you know i mean so i am the chief but my job is to cook right you know i mean that's my expression that's my creative expression that's how i get that monkey off my back sure because you know i could not walk around and point and tell people what to do I think I told you this story. Yeah. Did I ever tell you no, story no, about no, Dizzy? No, 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 uh-uh. Okay, so in 1981, I'm living in Rome. I'm hanging out in Rome, and I'm going to London. And we are trying to see who's going to be playing in London. Right, like a Ronnie Scott's club or something like that. Well, that actually was yeah, Ronnie yeah, Scott's. Yeah. But we're also we're planning to see Bob Marley at, like, the Roxy or oh, one of those cool. places, and he died. Not cool. No, I remember. Yeah, and he died right then, so we couldn't see him. But we, yeah. but, but this crazy friend of mine, Joel Pickford, he could see that that uh, Dizzy was playing at Ronnie, at right. Ronnie Scott's. So when we got to London, you know, we were there for another six months. Right. So I don't remember how long we were there. We'd already seen, we'd already seen in a basement club, Sonny Stitt and Red Holloway. That's awesome. It was amazing. Yeah, oh man, yeah, Red Holloway, yeah. yeah, it was killing. But. Then we went to go see Dizzy. And Joel was trying to write a story about how Dizzy and Bird split up or what happened. And um, so he was on a mission. He like, I go, man, this summer I know Dizzy Gillespie's touring Europe. We gotta go right. find, we're gonna find him. Well, anyway, so we go to Ronnie yeah, Scott's yeah. to see the show. And then I'll get back to why I'm a cook and you're a truck driver. <laughs> why yeah, we, yeah, why yeah, we okay, do what we okay, do, because okay. it's about that. But anyway, we go and we see like, the first set, and Joel's, and there's like three sets that night, right. maybe something like that. And after the first set, Joel walks backstage. He's like, walk, hey, you've been at Ronnie Scott's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, That's so you know you're facing place the, to get to. Yeah. Well, you know you're, you're facing the stage, Yeah. and it's just, you go left, through, and there's that little curtain, and then you, do you walk down the hallway? Yeah, it's a weird little And then there's hallway, the room, right? There's a little tiny room at the yeah. back. Yeah, okay. So, we, Joel goes back there, and I'm like, I'm waiting for his ass to get kicked out. Yeah. I was like, I, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to pretend I don't know him. He's going to get thrown out of here. Yeah. No way. Well, it's five minutes, ten minutes, and he's not coming back. So I walk back there, and Joel and Dizzy are in an argument. And Dizzy's like, I'm not telling you about those days. I don't know. You're going to write some right. book. You right. know, like, those guys are tired of being played sure, by anybody. of course. Take man. my stories. Take my music. Yeah. Take my, take my copyright. You know what I mean? Right, right. Dizzy's not having it. So he finally kicks him out, and I'm just hanging around. He goes, what do you want? And I said, I just was going to check out you, man. I just wanted to hang out with Dizzy Gillespie. He says, you play backgammon? I said, yeah, I play backgammon. <laughs> so we started playing backgammon. And he's ordering cognac and oh, wow. like lobster bisque, and we hang out. And it's like, Diz, you got to go. It's not time to play again. So they come back. Long story short. After the gig, I hung out with them for like two hours back there. Wow. And it was just beautiful. But what I wanted to say about being a cook is Dizzy was in 1981. I don't know how old he is, but he's not playing all that much trumpet. Right. Right. Of course. But he's still playing trumpet. Yeah. And so he's playing congas. Right. He's playing a lot, like about half congas, half trumpet. Right. And he'll do something. He'll, let's say he plays, I don't know. 24. Sure. He's not playing, you know, any Paul Gonzalez 58 courses or anything. Right, right. But whatever he does, he's playing around. He's playing. Of course. But he stopped and he's got a great band. But it, the band wasn't called Dizzy Gillespie's band and Dizzy, right. you know, showed up right. in his Dizzy coat. Yeah. And then yeah. split and let everybody yeah. play and then call himself Dizzy the band leader. Right, right. Or Dizzy the trumpet player. Yeah. He didn't have 
you know, who would have been playing trumpet in 1981? Wouldn't, wouldn't be Wallace Roney yet, right? No, uh, yeah, younger. Yeah, I mean, some guy like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he was pretty young like that. But I mean, it wasn't like let's have uh, Dizzy Gillespie trumpet right, player, right. but Wallace Roney. No, but he's, he's showing up and he's doing. And I think what you're trying to get at, more importantly, is like it's about your people are coming to see him tell a story. Yeah. And if it's a short story, it's fine. It's right. a rich short story. They're coming to see that. Right. And, um, that, you know, ultimately, yeah, that's great. I mean, it's like Sonny Rollins. I mean, to me, Sonny Rollins is still playing fantastically. But is he like this mega, like, oh, you know, yeah. like, it's no, but he's not supposed to be. He doesn't have to do that. Yeah. But he's he on plays, the gig. Exactly. And they're his compositions. Exactly, yeah. Or yeah, they're, you yeah, know, whatever. Exactly. And, uh, you know, like yeah. in the cooking world, you don't even have to play your own, you don't even have to have your own compositions right. and take right. credit for it. You can hire yeah. hotshot young people. Yeah. And they do all this shit. Yeah. You know, you don't even... I mean, like, you know, like, when I'm making something, I'm peeling onions and garlic. I know. I've seen you back You know, then. that's... Yeah, I'm, no, if yeah. that's my dish, I'm making that. Exactly. If it's exactly. my project, that's exactly. what's happening. And you know what? I have to tell you, I, I have the same mentality in terms of what I do because my attitude is I once read some, some like... Uh, book uh, I can't remember what it was. It was like one of those chivalry kind of books, and the whole thing was they they said we're going to nominate the king, and they did. I wouldn't know. I was like twelve or thirteen, <laughs> and they said what you need to be. They he says, but I don't have any education. I don't have the proper, uh, you know, um, pedigree. I'm not of the aristocracy. And then the people said, no. What you need to have, you've proven that you have. You have to be first in battle and last in defeat. Oh, that's rad. And and I think about that because, you know, you'll be on the road and you'll see certain people that will be like, oh, I want the big room or I want the this or the that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. My attitude was always, you know, always have that mentality. Try as, as you may, as much as possible. Not so that you can say, oh, I'm some great, fantastic guy, but because that's how, it is. that's the right way to do it. And yeah. when you do it that way, when you're in the kitchen doing what you do, everyone else in there sees that and you set the vibe. You let people know that, that by example that this is actually how it works and everyone sees that vibe and they're just like boom and if they don't see that vibe and they don't take heed and they don't feel inspired by that then maybe they're in the wrong place yeah that's right that's exactly right and you know what's a trip about that first in battle last in defeat it reminds me of talking to Muhal Richard Abrams yeah so I spent a lot of time with this guy when he was a week here Right. At Mills. Yeah. And he came into Oliveto for dinner. Steve Coward brought him in. We did a dinner. And that's where you used to be the, the yeah. cook at Oliveto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, so then he kept coming back. He spent like eight hours sitting on a stool in my kitchen. Wow. Muhal did. Just that's as fantastic. He, he was into yeah, it. Yeah. And he could see, like, the process is the process. Right. Different products, but it's all the same. Right. Well, one day we were sitting out, sitting out in the, after lunch. He came for lunch, and I gave him, like, a soup. You know, he was right. an old cat, like 84 years old yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And I had such a connection with this man. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's, he's a right? one of a kind. He's yeah. one of a kind. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there, and I just want to pick his brain, you know? And I'm asking him about people now. Right. And, cause, and, and I asked him about Monk, and he said, you know, you know, did you know that he and Monk were friends? I didn't. I okay, no so Monk took to him right. early on, and when Monk died, his, his, he was in a, a parlor, and you could visit him. And it must have been, it could have been Nelly. I think Nelly right. was letting people go back. Well, anyway, they went back and he said, I just wanted to touch his hands. He wow. said, you couldn't believe his hands, his yeah. fingers. He was made for what he did. Right. And then I asked him about a couple of other, then I wanted to ask a controversial one. You know, because there's a lot of, especially those old cats about white people, black people. Right. I said, what about Bill Evans? And he said, everything he touches come to gold. Wow. I said, what do you mean? He said, can't play a wrong note. I said, what do you mean to move on? He said, he had that classical thing. Right. He said right. he had his thing so together yeah. that when he played jazz, he had conceptions and improvisations, and right. it was always right. Right. on it because he yeah. had his thing yeah. so tight. Yeah, yeah. He said, he's just a beautiful player. Yeah. Then I, then I went, you know, you know how I get, man. I got to push it. So I said, what about Wynton? Because, you know, I got some opinions about Wynton. Uh-huh. And uh, I call Wynton the black, the black Ronald Reagan. You know how Ronald Reagan was like morning, like hearkening back to the fifties right, for the right, way you know right, women right. should be in the kitchen and not work. Yeah, and yeah, Phyllis yeah. Shafley. I mean, right. people don't remember all that shit. Yeah. But it was like morning in America really looked a lot like the fifties. You know, right. Cold sure, War. Sure, sure, sure. You know, and that's what we call a reactionary. Yeah. Someone yeah. reaching back 
to live life now. I think Whitman right. was like that for a while. He's I, you know to be he's chilled out a in bit. his defense. I think there's a difference between, and I think he's just an unbelievably fantastic musician. Yes, I'm just he gonna is. Say that. In his defense, I think a few misplaced statements by him were aggrandized, and he had people that were acting as his factotums. Yeah, like Stanley were, Crouch. Well, yeah, that were spreading and saying a lot of things, and then he would become associated with it. And in a lot of ways, I feel like he has a real honest good thing he's trying to do. No, I get that. But you but but, you but, know there's, I mean. a, but there's a thing I, I about jazz saying. in the museum. Yeah, yeah. There's a I thing mean what about you're saying is is I could sum it up. One day it's Lester Bowie, Roscoe Mitchell, Chico Freeman, yeah, uh, Arthur Blythe. Arthur Blythe. Uh, the World Saxophone. Who Quartet. Stanley Crouch played drums right, for. Right. One day it's that. Yeah. And this did, and I saw it. I loved that music. Yeah. That yeah. you know started coming out of the And then it was the Young Liars. Then then those guys Overnight, they disappear. Yeah, that's right. They and then it was now the the neo traditionalists, yeah. what they call the neo. And a lot of those guys are my friends. Both of these camps Whoa, are friends. Look, of mine. man, I'm and Josh Redman. Don't you yeah, love Josh? Yeah, he was he, he got in that we went bag. To high school together. Yeah. But you know, it, it's one of those things where you just have to be careful of separating the person yeah. from the hype. Well, and also, you know, you know I think if you're going to be now, let me throw it back at right. you. If you're going to be that. In a position of, of authority, right, right, a Lincoln Center cat or whatever it is, then you have to be careful what you say. Right. No, I. Agree. You don't want to say that everything Miles did after kind of just stunk. Yeah. Or you don't yeah, want, yeah. Or, or after what he did with with the great quintet, it right. was not jazz. Yeah. Who says yeah, what yeah. jazz is? Yeah. Who or cares? you don't want to say that jazz was never supposed to be improvised music. Right. Right. And then you throw pops out the window because he invented the solo. Come on, man. Right. I mean, right. there are things like that that he said. But then he defended. I mean, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask Muhal about it. Yeah. You want to know what Muhal said? Muhal didn't even address that. Wow. He said, and this gets to your point about what you were talking about, the book on chivalry thing. He said, right. he said, you know, Paul, when you're in practice, you're not jealous of anyone. Right. And right. I said, that was his response to Winton. Yeah. And I said, well, tell me what you mean by that. And he says, well, look, man, when you're in practice... You can you you have your thing. Yeah. You're yeah. you're doing your thing. There's 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 no need to comment about what someone else does or right. did. Right. He says because you can learn from everybody. No, it's very he true. says you listen to something, and you would never say talk bad about it. You just say right. okay, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. With my thing. Right. Or I'm gonna learn from this, and wow, that's really cool. What can I take from that? Right. Or it's not my thing. Yeah. But you don't get into that game of what is and what isn't jazz and all that. I said, yeah. And he was basically implying that, man, you don't want to yeah. become a figurehead of anything. You want yeah. to be in practice. And right. then he goes on to say, then he goes on to say, you know, man, it's all practice. It's always just practice. It always is. And he right. said, you know, tomorrow night we're, I'm playing with Roscoe in front of a bunch of people at Mills, and it was sold out, man, that big theater. Um, and he said, you know, people are going to come for an event. Yeah. And he said, Roscoe and I, we're just going to be in practice. Right. That's right. all it is. No, and he's, I totally agree. Right? I totally agree. And when we, the, there's an issue, though, between, and I'm sure you have the same issue, be, being a cook, because when you deal with the business side of things, and you have a quote-unquote brand, yeah. when you do that, and then you have to deal with the, the palate of the customer. Right. And then you have to deal with, well, well wait a minute. And, and, you know, there's a lot of times where you feel, I mean, I felt like, okay, wait a minute. You know, I really need to do this so that I can get to this yeah. because I need to get that. Yeah. And you can really project things onto people you think have this and that and the other thing. Yeah. You really don't. And you can get that. And it's true. It's very easy to go there. But the most uh, fulfilling time of my life as a musician is when I like you like you said he said you're when you're in practice and I'm practicing every day. That's you it. You know, and and you're ultimately trying to develop whatever your honest self is. That's exactly that. that. And you know, you know, this is I would be interested to see what you think about this. Let me ask you this question. So I have uh, many of my friends I talk to about getting a voice, right? An artistic voice, right? Right. A point of view, a perspective, sure, a sure. sound. Yeah. And I always say like it takes ten years. And that, right. that might not be exactly right, but there's something about getting good enough to play. Yeah. Then your influences right. and really embodying that. Yeah. And then at some point you can hear your influences and they all become you. And you can even play something that you think sounds like your influences, 
but it's still you. Right. Because you've right. developed your own sound. Yeah. Your own voice. Same yeah. thing with cooking. Right. You know, you've seen enough, you've, co- yeah. you've learned enough, you've copied enough, you've practiced enough. You've been around enough stuff that you to, to know what you have an affinity for yeah. and what you don't have an affinity right. for. Right. And what's right. your thing. Yeah. And you get comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah. And then you just go yeah. groove on that. Yeah, and I got How about with you? Did, how did you feel? Dude, it's the same. And I still, every day, I still go for that. Because there's every day, there's, you know what it's about? It's about, you know, Previtt once told me, told me, he said, you know what I like about you is that you're not afraid to be corny. And I was just like, oh, that man, hurt me. that's heavy. That hurt me. Because when I first heard that, because I thought, oh man, he doesn't think I'm as... As good Heavy or as deep. the rest, of, as deep as the rest of these guys. And well, what do you mean? And he's like, no. He goes, it takes real courage to be corny, and to not worry about somebody telling you, oh, you know, that's that, you know, you're not being deep. If it's like the honest person you are, and I think that it's what it ultimately amounts to for me, is like it never ends the process, and you're yeah. you're always peeling it back. You're always peeling one yeah, layer because man. if you find one thing about yourself you're really really embarrassed about. You really, you could do one of two things, or you can do both of them. You could build more and more and more and more chops to try to create a wall and a right. moat around your true self, right. or you can build more and more and more chops to tear the moat down around yes. your true self. So, so that can get out. And you know, when you're playing for an audience, just I'm sure like it's similar with you, when you're cooking for an audience every night, you're you're in a tenuous position because you really have to be comfortable and you have to be free and there's going to be right. a lot of uptightness, there's going to be a lot of stress, and I'm right. worried about this, am I going to play this right, that right, what is the, you know, but as you progress, as you get older, which is the beauty of this game, this music hustle, and I'm sure it's with the cooking hustle as well, yeah. as you get older, you get more refined, and I don't mean refined in the sense of you turn into Wonder Bread, I mean refined in that you find out who you truly are that's you, right. you're you're you are letting more experiences in the the machine of your 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 soul and who you're trying to present to people either playing music or cooking or whatever you do it becomes more uh, uh, honest and direct right you know and less yes and less direct BS. Is you know the you're king. not running a game that's right really yeah and you're not trying to front it exactly you know you when you said corny the first thing that came to my mind was Tom Waits uh-huh. Tom can write a song that sounds like a nursery rhyme uh-huh. And say the deepest shit. But he just has vibe. Yeah, and vibe. like, you know, innocent when you dream. Right. You know? Right. And it's just the most beautiful. And then he, he, you know, like, it, it just sounds like a song you've heard all your life. Right, right. Because, you know, like, there's major seven. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but yeah. It, But it's just, it seems like it's so accessible. Right. And then he says the most poignant shit. And, and he's not afraid to be corny. Right. You know, and then he said, I remember reading an interview with him recently where he was talking about his sound. Uh-huh. And he said, he felt like, I was reading it actually, he said, I feel like I'm no longer putting on hats. Right. Trying on hats. Right, Not right, putting right. on hats, trying yeah, on yeah, hats. Yeah. I find, you know, like, this yeah, is who sure. I am. And, and it's gonna, if you put the work in, I don't know, about 10 years, I mean, for me, I've been playing since I was a kid. I've been doing gigs, lots yeah. and lots of gigs. I mean, there yeah. are people who come out of music school that can just play circles around me technically, but. I know how to play for an audience, for well, people. Well, that's right. That's my purpose, is to play for people. Well, that's right. And to make people happy. And you can't you teach, know? you can't teach, you can't teach, you can't teach real creativity. Where Muhal would say, from the real, you know, the direct line to the real improviser. Yeah. The big improviser. Exactly. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, I think yeah. you have to learn that by doing no, it. No, it's very true. You I can't mean, learn that, it by just, by just being not, skilled. Yeah, and I think in our society, we're losing the ability to respect um, to we're so into accreditation and we've come Man. away from that and from away from accreditation uh, to accreditation from qualification it's that's like, well, right if you're qualified you'll find a way that's right it. But to tell me about something, man, like when you, how did you end up out here in the Bay Area? How did you end up in this game, this cooking game? Because I know you played music for many, many years. Yeah, yeah, well, that. you know, I was in the, you know, I grew up in Fresno in the Central Valley. Oh, right. Yeah, so, you know, we had an affinity for here, for San Francisco. Because right. my dad, who was a professor down there in uh-huh. Fresno, loved San Francisco, and he lived right. here. And he got his PhD at Cal, and his parents had a apartment on Knob Hill uh-huh. that they, when, when they, my dad was a little boy, would bring his older sisters to meet Spanish gentry. 
Whoa, you know, guy, Spanish men to marry. Uh, right, right. So we always loved San Francisco. Right. So we used to come up and we used to, they used to get a thing called the Best of Broadway. Uh-huh. And it was like at the current theater and it was the, all the musicals. Right. So we saw like Carol Channing and Hello Dolly and Richard uh-huh. Kiley and like Man of La Mancha. So yeah. anyway, I always had an affinity for the Bay Area. Plus, you know, playing music. You know, when I was in a kid, you know, I, I grew up playing trumpet. Uh-huh. And, you know, you, that's going to be a classical thing. Right, right. And I always right. wanted to play jazz. I always wanted to be Miles. Uh-huh. For a minute, I wanted to be Herb Alpert. Nice. For a minute, I wanted to be Al Hurt. Uh-huh. You know, whoever was, I could hear on the radio, you know? <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. Oh, my God, right? Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to do all this stuff. And then I got, and so I did that and got into the classical yeah. thing. And the Junior Phil, Armani, all that. Then I got braces. Ah, that was it. Yeah, man. Well, it, I kept doing it, but I yeah, mean, yeah. like, I literally oh, had I torn up teeth. Yeah, yeah. I used to put, it didn't have all the cool stuff they have now. They can put your brace on the inside of your teeth. I know. But it would, I used masking tape folded yeah, over yeah. and duct tape. And yeah. it would still, you know, you get up to a yeah, high yeah. C and you're uh, just like, yeah. try to play pictures at an exhibition. You know, that, the Mazursky right, picture, right. you know, ba da da ba da ba da Oh, I'll just tear your mouth out. Yeah, yeah. So I stopped. I'm like, no. And I wanted to play jazz, and I got tired of practicing yeah, classical yeah. music. So I was done with music. So I started skateboarding. I get deeper into tennis and downhill skiing. And, but anyway, for a while, somehow I hear the Ramones. Uh-huh. By the way, you can't be, you can't be Jimmy Page. Right. You can't be Henry. You can't. You could be Keith Richards, but you kind of can't. You know what I mean? You could see Keith. Keith Richards looks accessible, but uh, you can't be the Rolling Stones. You can't be these guys who right, I grew right, up with right, as rock right, stars. Right, right. And when the Ramones came around, well, first Iggy. First Iggy Pop. I know. I did. I played with Iggy Pop. Oh, my. I Jim. You know. Jim. Uh, Jim, is that his name? <laughs> his name? Is that his name? I'm going to yeah. tell you a funny story he about him. He's a great guy. Greatest guy yeah, in the world. Yeah. Sweetheart. Yeah. Really sweet guy. I'm going to tell you a funny story about that later. About me, about doing a thing with him and oh, cool. uh, Whiskey Go Go. So anyway, he, um, anyway, those guys all of a sudden, and listening to the Ramones, you could do that. Right. And also, I was the right age. I felt yeah. like that. Yeah. I heard it like that. Yeah. You know, it was like fast and, of you know, course. It, was, uh, it made yeah. sense. Yeah. So I thought, and I was deeply afraid of any kind of chord instrument. Like, what, and, you know, just, you know that if you don't, if you played a single note instrument and you try to play a chordal instrument, it just, a trumpet has three keys. Right. You know yeah, what but I mean? it has its own. Oh, it's got yeah, permutations yeah, yeah. and stuff, but it's still a note at a time. Right. I don't care. You try to play sheets of sound; it's still a note at a time. Right. I guess it's, it just depends on your where you're coming from. You well, it just for me, yeah, yeah. it was intimidating. Yeah. So I would play on the piano, but it would be percussive, and I could make it. I could figure out you can go higher or lower. Right. But it wasn't like tinkly tinkly. You know. Yeah. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> just yeah, yeah, yeah. Bah, 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 bah. So anyway, uh, I started playing guitar. Because I could do that. Right. And and then that's how I got into the playing, you know, music. Right. Playing punk music. And yeah. That. And so were you in the, the San Francisco during that whole punk? Late, uh, yeah. Late 70s? Yeah, I didn't live here, but I came here. Right. Because first right. of all, that's where we played. Sure, at the Mabuhay sure. Gardens. Of course. Yeah. At the uh, Chi Chi Club, yeah. the Stone. I played all those I places mean, when I was in high school. Yeah. I played night break. All night. Dude, I played every single yeah, Of course you did. Every club you're talking about of when I was in high school, did. I played those clubs. Of course yeah. you did, man. And I remember when I was sort of getting later in my 20s when I was getting out of that scene you guys were coming on the scene uh-huh. in a big way and I would go and see like this would be the later 80s is that about right? I think probably early 90s, early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah before before your album started right. hitting yeah you were I would, coming like to the elbow room I would go to the elbow room oh, yeah okay. I would see you and Scott right. in different bands I would yeah, see yeah. Uh, the Brown Fellinis sure Ben Goldberg was playing even well you know band. funny I didn't I never saw Ben Oh, he I just had his records yeah. so how I met Ben is there was a there was a, a bar mitzvah lunch at, on a Saturday at Oliveto and there was this there was this klezmer thing and they were doing they were a low right. pickup band doing this, this uh, yeah. you know, music for this bar mitzvah. Right, right. And, you know, we feed the band. I always feed the band. And I yeah. sat down, and I and I pulled it, and I went to the clarinetist, and I said, man, I got to tell you something. I hope this isn't, like, not a compliment. Right, But right. you sound like this guy who I have CDs of. And he said, who's that? I said, his name is Ben Goldberg. <laughs> and it was Ben. And he says... Wow, man, that's me. I said, well, you have a sound, you know? 
I said, That's awesome. Because what he was playing in this, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. it almost sounds like Dixieland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his thing was so tight. No, no, anyway, he's fantastic. Yeah, so I mean, that that was in that scene. But then I went to go see you guys, and I was so into what was happening in that scene. Yeah. You know, it was such. It was like a resurgence of really beautiful music. It was affordable. Yeah. The whole place. Well, the and it was also original was music. You know, it I, was I wanted. Music, yeah. I didn't want to go hear the next big thing or yeah. grunge or whatever. I mean, right, to me, right. I was so jaded by any of that. I'm and sure. it, you know, like the last band, say in the lineage that I came out of that sounded good to me, was probably the Pixies. Right, right. And the Nirvana sounded good, but it was a pop band to me. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't great get songs. it. Wrote great, great songs. Great songs. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't, it wasn't like punk broke. You know what I mean? Right, that was right. not what we were playing. Yeah, yeah. And that's not what punk was about because it was a punk was just like you, the way you were dressed. Yeah. And if you had something to say, that was punk. Exactly. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't a, like it's a, codified. It's a it's a mentality. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. straight. They talked a lot about it. Sure. He's sure. on that. I love that man. I yeah. remember a lot going yeah. to a lot of those. I mean, yeah. we had Ruthie's Inn in Berkeley when I was oh, growing yeah, up. Oh yeah, man. And Ruthie's and Inn the Berkeley was, Square. Right. And and I played all those places yeah. too. But Ruthie's Inn was an interesting place because there's a guy named Wes Robinson who booked it. And he was a really forward-thinking guy because Ruthie's was historically what you would what would have been known as a Chitlin Circuit Club. Oh, really? So you could go, and my mom used to take me there to see people, that was the blues part of the people Chitlin that she circuit. liked. Yeah, so with Eli's you know, and Eli's, and so you'd have like a, you know, Coco Taylor would be playing there, oh. and um, you wouldn't get people like Bobby Bland because he was he was probably a little too big, but you would get like Freddie Roulette would play there. Yeah. And this guy, Maurice McKinney's, who was a local Bay Area guy. Great, great players, great music. And then you'd have the people coming through, you know, like O.V. Wright. And wow. people like that would play there. But he was this guy, Wes Robinson, who was a really interesting guy and very smart. And he started knowing a few of the punk bands would come up to him and said, Hey, man, we would love, you know, we noticed that you only have music like Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We would love to play gigs here like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday. We have these bands and we could bring X people in. And Wes, yeah, yeah, Wes yeah. Robinson was like, Okay, go ahead and try it. So the next thing you know, you have this club where, you know, on the weekend, you can see all the four mentioned people I was saying and yeah. then during the week you could go to see uh, the Dead Kennedys yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fishbone Black Flag yes. all this stuff and then then sadly or or better it just stopped being it's it was only punk rock after a while because they start, started oh. to make so much money oh, with wow. that because it was a scene it was wow. a real scene and that place would be filled with people do you remember on MLK right probably pretty close to Children's Hospital. Uh-huh. There was a barbecue joint. I think it was called Pappy. I can't remember what it was called. We had a lot of it was punk shows. Someone and Poppy. Yeah, Poppy. Yeah, that's it. Yes, Someone and Poppy. Yes, yes. We played a lot of shows in there. You did. Yeah. Same kind of vibe. Yeah. And it would be like you go, and they would give you barbecue for life. You know, go sound check and be barbecue. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. We I remember a lot of shows in there too, man. Pop up. Yeah, yeah. And they were cool about doing that. Sure. There was a place in East Oakland called the Tomato Sauce Factory. I don't know if you remember that. Wow. I remember that. They called the Speakeasy. Just a bunch of people had a. Uh, a big um, warehouse, and you go see see shows there. Wow! It was totally off the radar. It was word of mouth. Kind of like what was happening down in like Dog Patch and all that. Like, I don't know what that is. Well, you know, like when you get to Kansas and those streets, south of Market, way south, oh, past, okay. past past uh, um, you know past China Basin, out oh, okay. in um, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know where the like Hunter's Point is that? What no, that before is? you get to Hunter's Point, where. You know, what was that club that, there was a club that was really good down in there for a long time that um, Sex for Teens used to be the, uh, uh, remember, uh, what's his name? You know Sex for Teens, the radio? Anthony Bonet, he used to be the music booker there. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't even remember. Bottom of the Hill. Bottom of the Hill. Potrero Hill. Yeah, yeah. Potrero Hill, sure. That area. Yeah. So there used to be these warehouses, and that kind of thing was going on yeah. there, too. Yeah, that And also, everywhere. this music coming over from England called House Music. Oh, God. There was yeah. this band called Rhythm is Rhythm, uh, and it was the coolest piano player guy live playing craziest right. house music. Well, that was when you can afford to have clubs. Yeah. But tell me, dude, how did you get into... Cooking? The, that world. I mean, it seems... Well, so, so when I... So after college... Then or, um, I was going to go to law school. Whoa. And yeah, I was getting ready to go do that thing. And, and uh, I talked to, you know, someone said, you should talk to some lawyers. So I talked to lawyers, and it was clear that that was not for me. Right. The main guy said, to be a successful lawyer, you have to love the law. And I said, you mean like getting down to it? And they're like, no, man, you don't really get down to it. 
Yeah. Like, you mean like the truth. I'm, I don't want to fight for that. No, you like, just make deals. He just said, you know, you don't really ever know the truth. And you kind of don't want to know the truth because you believe that the process gets to the truth because nobody was really ever there, so nobody really knows the truth. Right. Well, that's pretty heavy. And it's yeah. kind of true. Right. Of you know, course. you got to fight it out. I mean, yeah, since yeah. no one's ever there to know what really Absolutely, happened. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess that's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was not for me. Yeah. So I took this gig up in San Francisco for Pacific Bell. And I started working, and I had this immediate breakdown, like mental breakdown. I was already pretty advanced alcoholic, drunky, yeah, but that wasn't really there. Yeah, yeah, that you, wasn't really there yet. You had hit your stride. Not yet, yet man. Yeah. I was just warming up in some ways. <laughs> and, but what was it? I'm trip? sorry to laugh. I mean, no, it is funny, man. We can laugh. Yeah. Of course we yeah. laugh about that shit, man. Uh, um, but um, what, what, I, what happened was I was working a lot of hours, and I couldn't do anything, I, I, all the things I wanted to do. Because yeah. I used to be able to, like, do anything. Like, hey, Charlie, let's go to learn how to do photography. Right, okay, right. what shit do we have to get? Exactly, how can yeah. we hustle enough to get that? Yeah, yeah. And let's go get really great at that. Well, that, you know, I used to have time to do shit like that. Yeah. All of a sudden, I had no time. And I was freaking out. So I said, I got to choose what I'm going to be into. Yeah. Well, number one was music. Right. I mean, with my any time. Sure. I was going to take care of my body and some. I'd do some exercise. I needed that. But music, reading, because I'm a freak of a reader, voracious reader. Yeah, I heard that. I am too. And I thought, wow, cooking. Maybe I'll learn how to cook because I always loved it. My parents, my dad being a professor, my mom being a really great cook and very extroverted person, uh -huh. like socially oriented. Man, they threw dinner parties that were crazy. And my little sister and I were the last of two kids. So we got stuck having to help. And my sister Tina had to work on the table and clean the inside. Yeah, you know, yeah. Where all the people were going to be, it had to be really tight. Yeah. And I got was in the kitchen. So I was like the kitchen slave. Right. And we did this only so that we could cut and go hang out with our friends or yeah, go down yeah. to the swim club or whatever. Sure. You know, we didn't do it because we loved it. But what ended up happening is by hanging out in the kitchen, it, I learned things. You know, it's like I started asking questions like, yeah. why do we add this then? And that, because you're right. stuck. Yeah, yeah. So you get curious. And my mom and my dad were both smart enough to have me taste and say, what's that about? And then I started hanging out with these parties for like, yeah. through the dinner party because there were always interesting people and great conversations. And then, I would hang out and do the dishes because I was meeting these interesting authors and right. it was cool. Yeah, And I totally. thought, okay, so I want to do that. So yeah. cooking was one of my things I was going to learn about. Sure. And then everything else, if I had time, cool. But I wasn't going to chase it. Yeah. Because I was yeah, too, yeah, yeah. I didn't have time. Yeah. Well, it turned into a real kind of thing and, and uh, music was still happening, but you know, it wasn't something I was making a living at. Right. And I didn't yet know how to, to stop everything and forget making a living. Right. And if I was going to be, you know, like I didn't have that maturity. Sure. That you sure. had early. You knew, you were just like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And whatever's going to happen. And, you know, I don't know if I was even good. I Maybe I wasn't yeah. even good enough. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't do anything else. I just had a calling for it. Yeah. And that was it. Next thing you know, you're right. practicing six, eight hours a day. Right. And, you know, and you eating know. one potato a week. Right. Exactly. You know? Right. So I was doing still music stuff, but not like, you know, like you do when you're just doing it. Right. And doing this job. Yeah. And the cooking thing was really fun. So fast forward a few years, um, I ran, there was a, I was living in San Francisco, and this woman moved across the hall from me, and she was a really great cook. She had been to cooking school, and she was George Lucas's, um, uh, uh, she managed his hospitality at Lucas Ranch. Gotcha. So she had the kitchen and the inn, he had it in there yeah, yeah. for people that came to the sound stage. Or if like, or if like uh, Arnold would come or whoever. Right, right. So she managed all the hospitality. Yeah. And we, I had an out of town girlfriend, and she had a boyfriend who was in law school at USF. So we were both like during the week, we were like, hang out, right, and make dinner for each other. And she started encouraging me. Now by this time, things were developing quite a bit more with the addiction uh -huh. and alcoholism. Right. And the and the business thing, in spite of me, kept progressing. Right. But long story short, it just got to this point where I knew I needed to do something with my, my creative thing. Right. And was I going to stop everything and try to pursue the music thing at like 31? Right, right. Didn't seem likely. Yeah. I didn't feel that. I didn't feel like, I mean, like yeah. I, if I wasn't doing it by then. Sure. If for full time. Yeah. And, and quit, then I wasn't going to do it. So it came, so Carolyn was like, you need to cook. You need to do this. This is a yeah. great place for you. So I did. I left it all, got sober, 
and then got into the cooking thing. Wow. And I just started doing it by, while I was still working, before I yeah. got sober actually, I started working for this guy Jacques who had a place called the Baker Bistro, just like a block and a half from my apartment. Uh -huh. And I would just like stage in his kitchen. Crazy old French cat. And he, man, I learned a lot yeah. from hanging out with him. Yeah. I'd go and do stuff with him and, right. you know, learn and chop onions and yeah. he'd show me the right way and, you know, uh, you know, just all that. Yeah, because know? that's what it comes down to. I mean, it comes down to that that knowledge that's passed down from generation to that's generation. That's it. The knowledge that he gave you was passed that's down right. for years and years That's and years. right. Yeah. And so for me, those, those were like my cutting sessions. Mm. You know, that's where I learned how to play with the guys, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then, so anyway, long story short, I quit, got sober. And then I started just working around and ran into a friend of mine who's son was running a cafe and he and I ran that cafe yeah I kept actually I started doing some more cool fun music stuff with this kid Victor we did some stuff and the punk band kind of got together a little bit in the early 90s with some of these kids up in Berkeley that were to become Green Day and Ransom oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they loved that shit and do you remember Tim Yohannan from Maximum Rock and Roll I do yeah yeah so he's like you guys gotta do this stuff so anyway it was just fun yeah yeah but then I felt like I at 32 I really need to go to cooking school I need to learn something so I went and I was petrified and I thought, school, man, I'm really going to... And it's just like what we were talking about. Right. It was like not happening. Wow. I did it anyway. I learned a lot. It gave me the opportunity to get into kitchens I right. might not have gotten into. And I think right. because of my age, it helped me. You know, I didn't right. have 10 years to bounce. Exactly, yeah. But but it really was a, a very helpful thing. And that's how I got in the thing. And I yeah. came back. I was in New York. Came back to the Bay Area. Got involved at Olivetto and stayed there yeah. for a long time. Wow. You were there for how long? Like, I was there like 12 years. Wow. Yeah, long time, man. Wow. Long time, that and I was the chef time. for 10. Got you. Wow, yeah. that is a long time. Yeah. And that was, event. you know, there was a lot of talk about taking that over, and but it wasn't happening, you know? Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. you could see it wasn't happening. Yeah, I mean, what happens with these, these restaurants, I mean, especially in an area like this, I mean, I, I got to tell you, like, my experience with food is like, you know... I lived in Europe. I was a street musician for three years. And yeah. so, you know, I basically lived on European street food everywhere yeah. I went. And I got to say, some of the best meals I ever had were like you go into the house where the French lady, old lady is cooking, or oh, Italian man. old lady, and that's, she just throws down. And you don't you don't choose off of it. No. She just gives it to you, and you're getting this, all this stuff, this rustic stuff. That's right. And then I get And in, it's what's get, happening right yeah. now. Yeah. But you get into this scene where it's all about like you know how you know an area like this where it's only about the food people only talk about food but the way they talk about it is kind of like well wait a minute how what, what does that mean like you want to yeah. spend four hundred dollars on a meal and and what is that i, I don't understand that like it, that, it's always lost on me i want to see eat something like the way you make with soul that has well, soul you know in it and has that experience in it there's a you know like the french is like i'll come here and i'll have some like fancy mexican food at a place i'm just like it's okay, you know, it's kind of bland. And then I'm up in Connecticut where there's like these five trucks. taco trucks. And I go up the side of the road and I'm just like, wow, this right? is just like pornographic that's eating it. here. No, that's know? because people know how to cook yeah. their own food. Right. And there is no own food here. There's a, right. real, there's a real discourse in the Bay Area about ingredients. Uh-huh. And it's people stop at the ingredients. You know, they get great ingredients. Right. And they don't transform them. Right. Or they right. over-transform. Yeah, yeah. But there's no sense of, well, there's no real art to it, you know? Right. And, and I remember when I was, uh, I think I probably told you this story about Morton Feldman. Did I tell you that? No, no. Okay. So I was early on cooking, late 90s. I just read, it was like 2000. Uh -huh. I just read the first Arcana, and I read this George Lewis essay on teaching improvisation. Uh -huh. Blew my mind. I redid the kitchen at Olivetto reorganized everything but there was something missing and I, I, I was reading a Morton Feldman essay and he said something about for him sound was the hero everything had to be subservient to sound right and I was right. already a big Morton Feldman fan but right. when I read his story about yeah. the way he created his music it made me even engage yeah. further and I and I realized it created you gotta talk to Bobby Previtt because he studied with Morton Feldman wow yeah you gotta I talk love to Bobby him. Yeah, yeah. well it totally blew my mind because all of a sudden, and it, and it created a breakdown, because I'm like, I don't have anything that is that clear right. where I create from yeah. that I'm after. Right. So what is sound for me in cooking? Like, I got what it was for him in music. Right. But what was it for me in cooking? It took me two years. 
I couldn't, it took forever and I wouldn't right. take the easy answer. Yeah. So I would check out ingredients, fine, but it's not enough. Right. It didn't carry the day. Yeah. Techniques, lots of different techniques, right. doesn't carry the day. Um, food politics doesn't carry the day. Yeah. yeah, I don't care. What the hell is that? I don't yeah. even know what that oh, is. Oh, that's everything around here, man. Yeah, yeah, but that's... You know, got, like sustainable, but, organic, the yeah. right way of taking care of the land. But, and, you know, one of the one of the great Roman guys, I don't know whether it's like Pliny or Cicero, one of those guys, there's a quote attributed to him, whoever he may have been, that said, the certain... I'm obviously paraphrasing, but like the certain downfall of the civilization can be exhibited in... Uh, their chefs and cooks becoming celebrities. Oh no! And I'm paraphrasing it, but that's, but that's basically real. what it says. Yeah, but that's totally true. And you know, so you come in this place, and when I was a kid here in the Bay Area, it was a place that people like me could afford to live in. Yeah, that's and right. And be musicians in, and that's there was right. all this. There was this massive amount of art and music and yes. all these things happening. Yes. And then it turns into this place where no one like me. I did almost nobody I grew up with lives here anymore. Nobody can afford it. Right. They're all gone. No, it's true. And all of their culture is gone with it as well. Right. And what has replaced it is uh, it's just this thing where people get incredibly precious it's a about food. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You you want, like, I see this thing about factory farming on BART, like, uh, uh, on the ride over here. Like, yeah. what? okay, so that's, yeah, so that's one of the bad things on the list. But that's, like, number 1,000. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of other things yes. that really people deal with every day. Yeah, no, that really. That don't have the luxury that's of right. living in a place like this and making that's a exactly six-figure right. salary. And you know what? All that shit puts you to sleep. So you don't have to think about what's really happening. Right. It makes you feel good to go to the farmer's market and buy right. the precious shit. And you're doing the right thing, paying an exorbitant amount of money for right. really beautiful food. Now... I mean, I do that. I mean, sure. it's where it's where the it's good. You know, yeah, but and it doesn't have farmers to be advertised in a precious way. No, and also you know? in such a righteous way. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because you can do a lot with less. Yeah, you can really. I mean, if you're a cook, sure. If you're really a cook, I mean, I could give you a, a silver tone guitar. Right. And you're going to make that thing funk out. Hell yeah, I'm going to do whatever. You, you know give what me mean? a tuna fish can, I'm going to figure out a way to play it. That's it. You and know? that's the same thing. Give me the tuna fish inside and I'm going to cook it. Exactly. You exactly. take the can, I'll take the fish. Yeah, you know, and that's... And we're going to kill that. That's exactly... It's going to swing. That's exactly it because yeah. you, there's just too much... We have a kind of a preciousness in our society, I think. I mean, I don't want to come across as like some... like. Er, He-Man '50s guy, because there's there's a there's a lot to a lot of this stuff, but it's been taken to the point. Uh, I mean, I read something about you know how the people will stand online for hours to get a specific cup of coffee or a specific right, dish. and and someone was positing that the whole concept in the Bay Area has become such a wealth center, and same with New York City, all these places that these places have gotten to the point where they are no longer where the the simplest no, things. Yeah. The simplest things become celebrity. That's right. Because the people who make them celebrity do not have the awareness or the breadth of experience to be acculturated to anything else. Well, so they have tons and tons of money, so they elevate further. this stuff. And then if they want to yeah. make it their own cause celeb, right. you know. Let me take it one step further. And this is maybe too cynical. But the people that are on the audience of that don't know either. Right. You know what I mean? So right. you could be famous for being famous. Of and course. never producing anything. Yeah, never doing anything. But but I don't know how you feel. I feel about it. Like, yeah, I've, I've, I've had an okay... You know, I'm, I'm, I've yeah. worked very hard at what I do. And yeah, I'm man, very and proud you're killing it. it. And I'm doing the thank you. I'm doing my best, and yeah. I just keep on doing it. And some years are better than others. Some right. years are terrible. Some years are really good. But right. every year is good because I'm always working at the craft. And I feel well, like I'm connected to people that have been doing this for thousands of years, and I don't want to let them and down. And don't you feel that's a gift? I don't want to let them down. That's it right. is totally it's a gift. It's a gift. At the end of the day, when the dust do. clears and you're getting older, I'm just like, man, I really am the luckiest man that's it, in man. a lot of ways. Totally. You know? I mean, to have this, yeah, to have one day, the people that invested in me to do this, that, that I told them, look, we're not going to make any money on music, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, and and they, said, they said, tell me about investing in a restaurant. And I said, look, the, if you want to invest in a restaurant, I told this to the people that invested. Yeah. And it was real money to get in here. Yeah. Like uh, the opening to get in, you had to sure. have 100K. Oh my God. Right, right. I didn't want 30 investors. Yeah. So I have eight. Yeah. Seven, really. Yeah, yeah. Because 
that's those are the people. You know, some put right. in more than that. Right. But that was the minimum. Yeah. The reason is, is that I just didn't. I knew I couldn't keep that many people afloat. Right. So I made it almost untouchable. Yeah. And that. Yeah. And and then I found people that believed, who had the aesthetic, the ethos, right. who happened yeah. to have been fortunate to make a bunch of money. Yeah. But had never invested in a restaurant. Right. And I told them, look, they said, tell me about investing in restaurants. I said. If you want to open a restaurant, you know what I would tell you? Take a million dollars and throw it in the street and walk away. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> While I'm asking for money, I yeah, said yes. Yeah. And they, I said, well, because, they said, why is that? And I said, well, one, it's a lot faster. <laughs> and you know what happened. Yeah, you know what happened. You know what happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the restaurant, it's like death by a thousand cuts. You don't know what happened. Right. But right. I said, but by the way, this is going to be different. Yeah. But anyway, it's really a gift. I mean. To be able to do my thing. But I mean, you know, it's funny you say that because Ken Parker, who's a good friend of mine, he's the guy who invented the Parker fly guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's brilliant industrial design. Yeah. Uh, luthier. I mean, he's just a, a, a incredible. Does he make of, your guitar? No, not not this one. Okay. Um, but that's made by Jeff Traugott, who's that's also right. that's like right. another incredible artisan. Yeah. But he, you know, um, Ken was because he had that company and he ended up having to sell the Parker his name. Parker guitars, you know, and I said, man, what, what happened? He goes, well, you know, we made the mistake of, of starting a $10 million company with $2 million. Oh, yeah. And and that's very telling. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's why I don't overreach. I've overreached on a few occasions. Yeah. And boy, that hurt. No, man. You know, that hurt. I feel you. You know, the death by a thousand cuts is right. I want to go back to something you said you were talking about. This is something I think as artists we have to come to grips with. And... You know, we need audiences. Right. I need people to fill those seats. Yeah, yeah. You need people to fill these seats. Absolutely. And and that's and, and you need to pay your band. Right. You gotta take care of your kids. Absolutely. You know, we have all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. But at the same token, if you don't create first for you, you I don't think you're yeah. ever gonna tap into the real thing that's possible with creativity. Right. So someone asked me, I was having a conversation with some architects. Uh-huh. And they said, they were talking about uh, having to deal with a client and modify your ideas. Right. And they said, you don't, you know, do you do that here in the restaurant? Because obviously, you've right. got a lot of people sure. you have to make sure. happy. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to tell you something I probably shouldn't tell you. I don't even think about people coming to the restaurant right. when I'm creating a dish. Right. It's coming from a different place altogether. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's like we used to say in the punk world, if nobody comes... You better go back and go back to the garage. Right. Go back to the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because nobody wants to hear what you have to exactly. say. Exactly, yeah. Well, it's kind of like that. Yeah. But if you don't satisfy Charlie, if I don't satisfy Paul, if you don't create yeah. that sound. Yeah. And then you find right. things that, and it's sto you're stoked when right. people like right. it. But I think it's, I think you would, you would agree with me. It's a similar thing. My attitude is like, I've worked really, really long and hard. I feel like I'm a chain in a very long link that goes yeah. back a long time. That's and right. my job is to, create Forward and sustain it. my community of people that That's come right. to hear us play. That's right. Because they're as big of a part of it as I am. And wow. there's going to be some things I do some people aren't going to like. Right. Others will, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But my attitude is I don't like look in the audience and think, oh, maybe this person isn't liking what I'm doing. I'm going to have to change it up. I just think, right. you know, I'm going to give you guys something that's really true and right. from a really honest place. A hundred percent, too. A hundred percent. Every yeah. night, no matter yeah. how tired I am, no that's matter right. how far I drove. And um, you're going to make your decision. And right. thank you for coming here and you're a part of this. Right. And, and I'm assuming that when you cook, you have a similar attitude. Well, this whole thing... And, you know, and this whole thing for me became very quickly a service. Right. Because the way it was set up, the way the world is set up, when you go to be the chef opening a restaurant, right. you're asking for money, the press wants to talk to you. Right, It's right. very easy to think it's about you. Right, right. Nobody cares about you. The press wants to write about you so they exactly. can sell magazines. Exactly. The of press, it's the know, same in music. They don't, exactly. I mean, and then guess what? The next, they're not calling me about what I'm doing next. Right. Nobody cares about me right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been fortunate. I get written about a lot. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's easy to get confused about that. Right. So quickly, early on, I was getting this anxiety. Like, oh, man, what if what if I do this and it's no good? And I thought, wait a minute. I can't think about what if I do this is no good. Right, right. Because guess what? This isn't about me anyway. Exactly, exactly. This is, I want this to be a service to the people that work here. Yeah. And to the people that come in. It's a community. Yeah. And yeah. this is something Scott and I were talking about early on. Like, 
this hat to, for one day to be any good, it has to be for my friends who I know and don't know. Right. My musician friends, like man, I can't tell you what it's like to have you come play here. Oh man. I can't tell you pleasure. what it's like to have Scott be here once a week. Right. Well, I mean, like that's that's like that doesn't happen. Yeah, but we all created together. No, but it's like a dream. You yeah, see, yeah, like yeah. from my perspective, I mean, I was dreaming this, talking to Scott long before I ever left all of that, or before I met Rocco. I mean, talking to Nels, like, I got to yeah, do this yeah. thing. Talking to Zorn. Yeah, You know, sure. Zorn named this place. I know you told me. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was like, but, and I think the good thing about having that idea about a community and reaching back, being in a discourse and realizing that you're part of it, you got to pay, you got to yeah. pay homage to what came before. Yeah. And be true to that, yeah. and not let them down. Right. You know your your ancestor ghosts, absolutely, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also to forward it. Well, the beauty of that is it ta- it allows you who gets written about. I mean, how often do you get written about? A lot. It, I mean, at, at Charlie Hunter is now a franchise. You don't hold it that way. No, no. But, but I understand look, what look you're how, saying. I yeah, mean, yeah. look at man. You sell yeah. it two nights. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, you could sell it a yeah. weekend anywhere. Yeah. It's really great, right? It's a really gifted place to be. It is. But yeah. it helps you keep your ego in the place oh, totally. of being a player. I know it's not even about me. Even when I'm doing a solo gig, it's not totally about me. It's about me doing my job as a musician, which is to take these people out of their thing for an hour or, or yeah. two hours or however long it is so yeah. we can all be together and we commune in a yes. place where, you know, it's it's, it feels good, you know, yeah. hopefully. And, and it makes me feel really good to do that. And if I, if I didn't get to do that, I think I, I really would go, just go crazy. I'd find a way to do it somehow. Well, know? the thing is, you're doing it. Yeah. And it's, and it's so liberating to make it be that it instead is. of... Charlie's got to hit this record sales. He's got to oh, be yeah. this in this yeah. magazine yeah, and yeah. that. And I've, I have friends who've, who've gone that, that route, and I do not envy them. It's, and I don't say that with any jealousy. I, I've seen them, and it's, it's very difficult. And I've had my chances, as I'm sure you have, oh, yeah, man. to move in that direction. And that direction is very, it's not for, for, it's, it's not for people who are kind of aware yeah, you well, because it, it makes you unaware. Yeah. I mean, there are guys that get it, they keep it. That's cool. Yeah. But, like, for me, it's a chase. It's just like the drugs. Yeah. Because if you get that cool article, then you want to know where the next one's coming exactly. from. Exactly. And people yeah, are yeah, whipping yeah. their publicist. Where are you going to place me next? Exactly. exactly. You know, my publicists get mad at me because I don't care. They're like, oh, man, you got to get a James Beard award. Is it? I don't care about a James yeah, Beard. What yeah, do I exactly. care about? James exactly. Beard is dead. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, if they want to give me an award... Because right. they come here yeah. and they think what I'm doing is worthwhile, great. But I'm not exactly. going back there to cook exactly. a meal for 250 people. I'm not going to join the right. James Beard Foundation for yeah, 1200 yeah. bucks a month or whatever it is. You know, I'm not going to chase that shit. Why? And they're like, but it'll be good for you. And I'm like, and you define could get on TV. Good. Yeah, but that, define good for yeah. you. Why is that good for you? You know what good for me is? I come Why in at 10 in the morning you? and I fucking start peeling onions. Yeah. And I start thinking about what I'm making or I butcher an animal. Amen. You know? Yeah. Or, you know, my chops are what's good for me. Yeah, yeah. Amen. And see, my family's what's good for Amen. me. Amen. And, and, and then at 930, there's music. Yeah. Hey, girls. Okay, give me a hug. Great to see you. All right, sweetheart. Give me a card for my mic. That's a light, not music. Oh. Not a microphone. You want to talk in the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so we're good. Yeah, man. 